Hello, everyone. This is Noah. And I'm Simon. And welcome to the Resolve Podcast. We're your resource for all things mental health, academic success, and personal growth. Devoted to helping students thrive and build the resilience to succeed in school and in life. Welcome on to another exciting episode of the Resolve Podcast. I'm happy to introduce our guest for this episode, Stuart Reynolds, but some of you may know him as Brittle Star. He makes some of the funniest, most wholesome content I've seen on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. He's gotten uh, very big. So, Welcome to the show. And <laughs> thank you. To introduce yourself in sure. your own words. Sure. I think you did a great job. I think especially you're most accurate when you said I've gotten very big. That's mainly pandemic weight, though. It's just from a lot of staying home and eating chips, probably. Uh, yeah, so it's my name is Stuart Reynolds, but I'm better known online as Brittle Star. And for the past nine years, I've been creating social media content. I started on Vine, if anyone remembers Vine back in the day. And then from Vine, I, I went on to the other platforms and um, I've had some fun times. It's been, it's, it hasn't all been smooth sailing, that's for sure. But it's been my full-time job for the past nine years. It's seen me work with people like Gordon Ramsay and Ryan Reynolds and Property Brothers. And I got invited to the White House by the Obamas. And it's been, it's been fun. It's been really good. That's a very exciting kind of last nine years. How did you get into content creation and how are you dealing with some of the newfound pandemic fame. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird thing to be uh, dealing with pandemic fame, because pandemics generally, I'm sure most people are aware, aren't that fun. But it has been an interesting ride, and I think you know, for me specifically, the past two years of the pandemic, um, I realized I had like a platform, and specifically here in Canada, but also in, in all, you know, all around the world and specifically for my audiences, Canada and the US and the UK, I found that maybe there was a spot for me to help with public health messaging in a hopefully comedic and entertaining way, uh, but also in a much more direct way, because I, I'm not bound by the same decorum and protocol that public health people are. I get to say whatever I want. So uh, provided my messaging was good, I felt like an obligation to be like, okay, if the message is good and it's accurate and it's worth getting out there, then you should do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I uh, dabbled a little bit in comedy with some of my own science communication, and I found that it's, it's a fantastic way to uh, get a message across. Uh, Absolutely. It dis it disarms people. I think it I think it disarms them and it makes them feel at ease about things and they don't feel they are being quizzed. They can be like, okay, I can just be entertained. That's good. For sure, for sure. And how have uh, it, you and your family adapted to, on one hand, making all of these videos that people all around the world see and then on the other hand, trying to deal with the reality of what's been going on the last two years. I mean, what was in odd, I guess, for me, or, or unique 
somewhat unique to me is that when the pandemic hit and the, the you know, the general rule was stay home and, and social distance and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I work from home. So it was interesting at the very beginning of the pandemic, a big part of our revenue had been branded content. So I'll get hired by, you know, Walmart or Rogers or whatever, Subway to make a video that is in my own style, but includes the brand. And that was a big part of how we made our income. And in the first week or two of the pandemic really hitting in March, 2020, we lost every contract uh, for that year. So we suddenly had no work for the rest of the year. But then this weird thing happened where I thought, well, I can still make stuff. I work from home and I, I did that. So it meant that, um, I mean, specifically the, t the first part, first year of the pandemic, both of my sons who are both, uh, they live in Toronto and both in university, um, they were both home. And it meant that we had kind of a built-in production crew in our house that was bubbled. So we there was no risk of COVID transmission in our house because we all lived together and we didn't go anywhere. So that made us suddenly appealing to a lot of projects. It was like, oh, we need someone to make a video for us and you fit because you don't have to hire anyone from outside your bubble. So that was kind of the transition and kind of the way we dealt with it initially was that idea of being able to work from home and taking advantage of it. We kind of just rolled with that for a bit and then try to gradually follow public health guidance and sort of slowly open up to the world as we as we go. It's very fortunate. And how have you seen people dealing with, you know, the mental health aspects of isolation? And do you think as an entertainer, you play some role in helping people, you know, feel a little at ease? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, you, you couldn't ignore or avoid, even if you tried, the obvious mental health implications of the past two years. And I think one of the things I said a number of times in, in other uh, conversations is that I don't think we fully grasp, or most of us don't fully grasp just how dark of a time the pandemic was. Like we had never in our lifetimes, most of our lifetimes who are on earth currently, ever had to deal with an issue where we had to rely on each other so much and also to be cut off from each other. So we had to rely on each other and at the same time we were cut off from each other. So it made it really, really difficult. However, I feel it really, really uh, heightened the importance of technology with you know things like this, like Zoom or video chats and FaceTime and stuff like that, uh, as well as social media. So from my perspective as an entertainer, I felt sort of, in addition to public health messaging, it was really important for me to try to provide shared experiences for people. So I would try to think about things that were bothering me or things that, that, that were weird or just, you know, issues. And, and those issues that I felt, I, I felt a certain way about that I also felt that probably a bunch of other people feel, I thought maybe I can articulate that. And then people can use that in social media as like a touchstone, kind of like, oh, okay, this person also feels this way. So it's not just me who feels like this, even though it feels like it's just me. And I've done it a, a different, lots of different ways. I mean, I think that, I think the first thing that springs to mind is I did a video called There's More Good, which was like a mock music video where uh, I wanted to remind people that this notion that they would see all the terrible things happening on the news as far as the pandemic was concerned, which is, you know, fair. But they would see people protesting hospitals and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, gosh, has the world gone to hell in a handbasket? What's going on? And just kind of remind them like, no, no, you see the worst because it sticks out. But everyone else is kind of 
done what they're supposed to do. So you should take solace in that. And I got a lot of positive feedback from that. A lot of people saying, you know, thanks for posting that because it made me realize that, you know, I thought everything, I thought I was the only person trying my best, but it turns out all, most of us are trying our best. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important because sometimes when you're going through anxiety or depression, it really kind of tilts your worldview in a very negative way. So it's really important to amplify some of the positive messaging. Uh, Do you think that at least after the pandemic, we might be taking mental health more seriously now that more people sort of have an idea that it's real and that, you know, these feelings that I have inside, I'm not the only one with them. Other people have these feelings. Absolutely. I think so. I think that, you know, I think honestly in the past 10 years, I think I've noticed a huge difference in how we approach mental health issues and how we realize that mental health is just health. And that's not to diminish what mental health issues are. I think it's just a case of like, well, I refer to humans as faulty meat bags, faulty emotional meat bags. And, you know, we're just chemicals and we're just, we're just, uh, you know, we're machines that need to be fixed every now and then. And so it's, I think that in the past 10 years, I've noticed that there's been much more open discussion amongst younger people about mental health, which is fantastic because it's kind of a case of like one, you know, if you're suffering from anxiety or, uh, or depression or something, it's like, okay, well, there are actually things we can actually do to maybe help that now. And it's not a case of like, oh, this person is now an outcast. It's more a case of like, well, you just have to, like everybody suffers to a degree from these things. So you just need help. That's fine. And go get help. And I think the pandemic kind of heightened that notion for most people that we are just a whole bunch of faulty emotional meat bags. Um, I think we're just kind of, you know, we need other people. We need to rely on other people. We need to look out for each other. And at the same time, we all are vulnerable. We're all, we're all vulnerable. We're all volatile. We're all just, you know, doing our best. And, and if we can help each other, why wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. It helps everybody. If we can help each other, it helps everybody. That's kind of my thing is it's, it's, you know, the notion I try to keep carrying is that if we, me helping someone else makes the world better for me. <laughs> so it can still be selfish, which is good. Yeah. I, I heard that concept a while back in a podcast about altruism, that even if you do something for others, it eventually comes back to you because if you elevate others, in turn, they're going to do something that will at least indirectly benefit you as well. Absolutely. And I always get made fun of because I always say I don't believe in altruism. I don't think there is a such thing as an altruism and its true definition of just doing it for the for no reason other than the good of it. It's like, no, there's still a benefit there. If I do good things, um, those good things will be reflected in the society and the world around me. And then I will benefit from that betterness which is which is great and i think there's nothing wrong with that i think that's fantastic Mm -hmm. and have you had have you or your kids have had uh any of your own experiences with uh navigating mental health i mean i certainly have in the past like 2018 I kind of went through, I wasn't feeling well for a while and uh, like a a while meaning like a week or and a half or so. And I was like, this is really odd. It couldn't shake what was wrong with me and uh, no direct or obvious symptoms of anything. 
And I had to go speak in Vancouver. So I flew from Toronto to Vancouver and arrived in Vancouver. And I was like, mm, I think I might be dying. I think I might be dying. And I went to the hotel, went to bed at like three o'clock in the afternoon um, and was up and down and up and down just felt really terrible. And the next morning I went to the a medical clinic because I was like, I think I'm dying. I think I'm something's wrong with me. I was getting all sort of the buildup of like, I think I'm getting, I think I'm having a heart attack. I think I can feel like in my, in my arm and my chest and it's sore and I feel nauseous and all this kind of stuff. And the doctor there took my uh, blood pressure and they took it four more times. And he was like, your blood pressure is like dangerously high right now. And he asked how I'd got there. And I said, I drove myself. And he said, you drove yourself? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't quite know what the deal was. Anyway, after spending time in Vancouver General Hospital, who treated me lovely and were amazing, the doctor there eventually said, you have situational hypertension after talking to me. It's like, you have situational hypertension, which is essentially high blood pressure caused by anxiety. So you are freaking out over something, even subconsciously you're freaking out over it or at the back of your head. And it is causing your body because there's nothing, there was nothing determinably wrong physiologically with me. It was just anxiety spiking my blood pressure. And I've since had uh, to kind of deal with that in various ways and making the realization or coming to the realization that, you know, for me, I get these, even though I've not, I don't have a diag I don't have diagnosed anxiety issues, just mainly because I've never talked about them apart from <laughs> the physiological impacts of high blood pressure. Um, and that's because I'm an old white man. You know, it's made me realize that it's just a thing. It's just one more thing I have to be concerned. It's like I have to exercise so that my knees are I keep my mobility in my knees and I keep my mobility in my my back muscles. I exercise for those reasons. And for the same reasons, I exercise, you know, for my anxiety and I exercise moments of pause and moments of like, I have to treat it as something that's real. It is real, obviously. But I mean, I, I have to make sure I realize it's a real thing and just include it as part of my uh, regular day to day life. Now, it's like, yeah, there's certain days I'll get up and it's happened to me. Like, honest to God, it happened to me uh, yesterday and a little bit this morning, but I've exercised and I'm, I feel a bit better now, which is good. But I realize now I can see the signs of like, okay, I can feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm worked up and what am I worked up about? Let's concrete these things. It's, I'm worried about this thing, this thing, this thing. Okay. Now what can we do to remedy that? Well, I'm working on this and I'm doing this for that. Okay. And kind of just talk myself through it. And I know that that doesn't work for everybody, obviously for varying, uh, you know, degrees of anxiety, but just that notion of making it making sure you realize it's just something you have to deal with. It's just part of life and it's part of your health in general. Mm -hmm. Anxiety in particular is something that's really tough to go through, especially when there's nothing that you can kind of spot that's physically wrong. I remember having these really strong feelings of impending doom. Oh, I'm mm -hmm. going to fail this. I'm going to fail that. Even totally. when there's no impending doom coming along and it took a while to get everything under control and I completely agree with you sometimes it's just taking that time out of my day yesterday I went to my favorite coffee shop grabbed a coffee and sat outside and watched the pigeons that's yeah that's what I like to do and, exactly uh, it, it's incredible <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's sort of because it feels slightly decadent, I think, for me, 
it felt decadent for me. It still does kind of be like, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to take this time out and I'm just going to not do anything or I'm going to do something I just kind of want to do and just listen to music or I'm going to make music or I'm going to, uh, you know, go for a walk or I'm going to do this. And it all sounds so trite and it all sounds so cliched. But the sad truth is, is it works. It really, really works. There's a great cliched phrase, which I love, which is, you know, uh, you you have to take a day off. Otherwise, your body will decide for you when to take that day off. Uh, and you don't want to be in that situation because life is too busy. Life is too fun. There's too much awesome stuff to do in life and uh, amazing things and fun things to do. And you want to have kind of control over that. And you have control over that by scheduling in time for yourself to be like, how am I? What do I need for me? What do I need? How do I need to tune up my engine so that I can actually do the things I want to do? And then some, you know, for people, some people, it means, you know, getting a coffee and watching pigeons. I think that's amazing. Like that's, I mean, if that's part of your like, nope, I have to do it. Medically, it's important for me to do this. That's fantastic. Yeah. When I lived in Ireland, there's like a little lake with a bunch of, different species of birds and there's a pet store nearby that just sold these kilogram bags of bird seed <laughs> so i just sit there and make friends with the birds for like yeah. an hour so uh before i left i made some of my friends promise me that they'll visit the birds for me <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect yeah, yeah it's all about that it's all about that i think sometimes as a freelancer or working from home as an entrepreneur uh, it can also get really stressful because you're trying to manage all these things and still make enough money and sometimes making all of these odds and ends meet. So how how do you manage everything? How do you get things done? Um, That's a good question. I try to, I really try hard to do small chunks of things and I'm not really good at that. I'm more, I, I, I usually sort of default to seeing big picture things and that kind of can be overwhelming sometimes. Like, Oh, I have to do this project. And that project might involve, you know, like I'm doing an audio drama podcast currently that I started in January and I just see it as one huge task as opposed to like, Nope, we have to break it down over the next like six months. This is what's going to happen. It's going to be little bits at a time that are going to happen. Um, so that's kind of how I, that's one of the things I do to sort of manage is to kind of just be like, what, what immediate things do I have to do now? Okay, good. I'll do those things. I think that you also have to, I mean, as, a, as an entrepreneur, which I've been essentially working for myself since I was 19, I started doing jingles when I was 19 and oh, wow. uh, for radio, uh, you know, had various incarnations of businesses after that. And I think you just have to remind yourself why you're doing it sometimes. And you have to remind yourself uh, what joy you get out of it. And uh, and that kind of helps you kind of take a deep breath. But again, it goes back to that notion of like, if you feel overwhelmed, you should step back for a bit. You should sit down or go for a walk or do whatever you do. And uh, so you can get a better grasp of it and get a better sort of view of what it is you actually have to do. And sometimes that for me, that involves writing stuff down. I'll also do, if I get really overwhelmed... I'll take different pieces of paper and I will like take a section of paper and uh, not even a section, I'll like rip off a piece of paper and be like, this is this issue, set it on the desk. This is this issue, set it on the desk. And when I actually write them all down, I look at it and I go, oh, there are seven things I have to do. That's all I really have to do. It felt like 700,000 about a minute ago, but now I realize it's seven things. All right, let's tackle the one by one. Um, so it's, it's easy to get overwhelmed, but I think you just kind of have to keep... Uh, 
try to keep on top of things as much as possible and do the, the least amount of work possible every single day. And that usually gets a lot done in a week. Uh, I've, uh, I've also seen people who keep track of things they've done rather than things they have to do because it makes them feel more accomplished. And I know there's a recent study that found people who often feel like they're not doing enough or they feel like they have imposter syndrome, uh, usually they're the ones that are doing enough and are good at what they do. So it's, it, it's very interesting the amount of pressure we put on ourselves and how that actually relates to the reality of our situation and how successful we might actually be compared to what we're seeing in our own heads. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's, there's, I mean, I think everybody gets, gets stuck in their own heads often. I, in my late twenties, I, uh, really, really tried hard to turn the voice in my head. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying solutionation voices. I mean like that, that conscious voice that's sort of like, you know, you talk, I talk to myself all the time in my head and, uh, I just made a conscious effort to make that voice as positive as possible. And it doesn't, it's not always positive. Sometimes it's like, you're a fraud. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, shut up. Um, but realizing that, uh, that, that I could, if I, I might be able to actually control what that voice is saying to me, um, and how my, my thought pattern is and how I'm perceiving myself can make a massive difference. Uh, and it's not just a case of like bigging yourself up and, you know, playing M&Ms, lose yourself every time you do anything. Uh, but it's more a case of not beating yourself up because there's enough people in the world that will beat you up verbally and physically if you really want. There's enough people in the world that will do that for you. So just try to be your biggest fan and try to try to like be supportive. You can be critical. You can be constructively, constructively critical of things. At the same time, you should generally be like, you know what? Yeah, we think this is a good idea. Let's move forward on this project. Let's do this. This is, you're, You look good today. Hey, your hair looks fantastic. Stupid things like that uh, and uh, just being nicer to yourself, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. I didn't end up learning a lot of those things until I was in my mid-20s and in the midst of, you know, having a bit of a mental health breakdown. I think sure. it's really important that we teach these skills in schools because even when I was in elementary, middle school, high school, or even in university, nobody was telling us, okay, this is how you're going to feel. It's perfectly normal. It's a response to stress. And these are the things you need to do to help mm -hmm. you regulate your emotions. Uh, yeah, I think that's so important to do that. How, do you think that uh, in the future we should be doing something more so that people learn about these skills, not just when they're young, but people who never had a chance to learn the skills? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's really important to do that. I think, again, in that sort of same discussion as altruism, it's like the less people suffering around me and the more people happy around me, the better the world will be for me. So I'm all for that. I think that's a great idea. And I, you're right. I mean, I think like, I think back to, you know, I taught uh, high school for one semester. 
and I didn't get kicked out. I left because I, I had to get qualified to be a teacher after that because I was under a communications technology uh, program to teach a specialized course in audio and video production. Uh, the teachers union hated me. And so I just decided, uh, you know what, it's not worth the fight. I'm going to do something else. And uh, I enjoyed, really enjoyed teaching. I really, really enjoyed teaching. But one of the things I learned was that there were teachers who were excellent teachers who would, you know, teach math really, really well and really, really bring it to life for their students and all that kind of stuff. And then there were other teachers who were just kind of phoning it in and they weren't doing a really great job. Um, but then there was this other sort of weirdness, not weirdness, but sort of weird classified, weird category of teacher that would be, uh, and I'm trying not to incriminate anyone here, um, who that would be not the greatest teacher in their field. However, they would be a phenomenal life teacher. They would be the teacher that would even though they wouldn't be the greatest teacher in their field or industry or, or, or whatever you're, they're teaching, they would fire their students up enough to be interested in learning more about that industry and to sort of really go after it themselves. And they would also impart these sort of like life lessons, like don't beat yourself up. And, you know, like everybody feels like that. This is just a regular thing. And that I think that's part of, I've really tried as a, you know, middle-aged white guy. I think I've, tried to capitalize on one of the superpowers that middle-aged white guys have, which is to sort of be, don't worry about it. It's fine. I mean, of course we've been able to say that for decades, <laughs> hundreds of years. Um, but that's one of the things we can say about things like mental health is like, listen, everybody feels like this. If you need to get help with that, you should do with it. You should, you should find that help and you should do it, but you need to know the, you know, this is how we deal with this. This is how I feel. And that idea of like not getting lost in your own head and knowing that other people, everybody, not even just other people, everybody else is going through the same thing to varying degrees is really important for people to, to learn about and to know. Mm -hmm. And something else I really like about your content is that a lot of it is really positive without getting to the point of, you know, toxic positivity where, <laughs> you, you know, you're going way too far with being positive about everything how do you find that like perfect medium i i honestly think it's probably i mean i'm naturally uh i, I can find faults in things pretty easily and i can i'm an excellent complainer but i think that it probably stems from a desire to push myself to find the positive in things. And I think that partially really, I mean, you're, I think it's hilarious, you, said, you know, without, without getting to toxic positivity, because it's always been a thing for me in social media, especially starting as a dad in social media with a family who was also involved in social media. A lot of the companies we worked with really wanted to push us in the direction of that. Everything's amazing and everything's fantastic. And I'm so happy. Are you happy, honey? Absolutely. How about you, kids? We couldn't be happier, dad. And it's like, oh, God, I want to vomit because, you know, it's a lie. And I think that, uh, you know, we, we've really tried to make an effort to be like, let's not. I mean, it, we're, let's not play people for idiots and let's not, you know, let's also not set up this silly expectation of like everything's amazing and everything's fantastic it's like you know what no some things are crap no, some things are terrible uh but there's also amazing things too and we'll kind of like 
we'll try to ride that line between terrible and amazing. And that's that's the only way you can live, I think, is, is sort of acknowledging the terrible and celebrating the amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a, a great motto to live by. Uh, acknowledge the terrible and celebrate the amazing. Definitely something you can probably put on a plaque or a bumper <laughs> sticker. <laughs> Makes notes, adds to merch store. Yeah. And uh, is there anything else you'd uh, like to share with our audience? Uh, any mental health tips or any kind of things or techniques you use to sort of get out of your own head? Sure. Um, breathing. Uh, any extra, any breathing exercises you can do are they, it sounds stupid and you feel like an idiot when you do them for the first time. Um, but they just work. It doesn't matter if it's the, what is it? The four, seven, something or other four, seven, 11 or something, um, where you're holding your breath and breathing out and all that kind of stuff. Or for me, I have, uh, if you have like a smartwatch, I have an Apple watch and, um, it has a breathing thing on it. And I'll every now and then I'll be like, you know what? I think I'm getting a little worked up about this. I'm going to sit down, find a quiet spot and just do the breathing thing. Because one of the things I've really noticed with uh, whenever I feel anxious and feel the anxiety kind of creeping up, I think to myself, I don't think you're breathing currently. <laughs> There's a lot of holding your breath and it's like, mm, that doesn't work. I feel that breathing is fairly important for the human body. Uh, to function properly. So if we want to function properly, well, let's fix that. So yeah, I think don't underestimate breathing exercises. Do it. Take some time out. Count to uh, 60 seconds, you know, in through your nose, out through your mouth type thing. And it makes, it's stupid, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really fantastic. Even if you get to the point where breathing doesn't become automatic and you're kind of like, oh, now I'm reminding myself to breathe. So now I'm physically breathing. So now I'm being mindful. And exactly. it goes from being something that's automatic to just something you're in tune with. And we can link uh, a few resources to breathing exercises in the notes under the podcast. And is there anything else you'd like us to plug or tell us where we can find you online? Um, no, I mean, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Brittle Star. Um, just look for my gorgeous, handsome face with my black rim glasses and you'll know it's me. And, um, yeah, but treat yourselves well. Don't beat yourselves up. Be good to yourselves. That's my last word. Uh, thanks so much for, uh, being on the podcast and sharing your thoughts. Uh, our whole community, uh, appreciates it. Thanks so much for having me. It was an honor. And of course, a disclaimer. This podcast and all of our mental health learning and educational content is not therapy and is not a replacement for therapy. Please seek professional help if needed. Go to www.resolve2v's.ca to get the support you need. And that's all for now. We hope this was helpful in some small way. If you like our content, please subscribe and give us a five-star review wherever you are listening. Make sure to keep updated with all of our content on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. And of course, come check us out at www.resolve, that's resolve with two Vs, .ca, to learn more about how our services can support your needs.
until next time, take care. Theme song for this podcast is done by the band Mokuse no Maguro in their song Midnight Empty Street. <laughs>